Hey, thanks for stopping by today. My name is Jeremy Griffin, the Ministry and Operations Director here at Redux Church. If you're looking for a local church to become a part of in your area and just haven't found the place you feel God is leading you to, consider reaching out to us here at Redux. We know lots of great places and would love to assist you in finding the place God has for you. On the other hand, you may be here right now because you've become a bit disenchanted with church. And if that's the case, maybe Redux is the place for you. We are a real church in a virtual world. While we don't meet every week in the traditional sense, we do have a community online where you can chat, ask questions, and connect with others like yourself. We do, on occasion, meet in person for small group discussions and special worship and prayer events, but new Redux discussions are available every Friday morning online. In any case, we are glad you're here now. And if we can do anything to serve you, please let us know. You can contact us anytime online at redux.church. God bless. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Hey there, guys. Thanks again for joining us. I'm here with John and Wayne. Hey, guys. Not John Wayne. No. Although that'd be pretty cool. That would be cool. You guys think we can get John Wayne? I don't know, man. I mean, isn't he passed away? He's dead. Like, Mm -hmm. gone. Surely there's somebody out there named John Wayne. Oh, I'm sure there is. Yeah. John and Wayne. Well, there it is. Anyway, hey, I want to thank you guys for joining us. If you haven't done it already, go over to Redux.Church to click on the uh, worship with us or worship band. I don't know what it's called, actually. Just somewhere in there in media, there's a way to go to the worship, <laughs> Redux worship, and spend a little time in worship. If you don't want to do that with us, that's fine because there's great stuff on YouTube and Spotify as well and other services. Maybe you use Amazon Music or something else. I don't know. So anyway, spend some time in worship <clears throat> and... Uh, yeah, thanks for coming and being a part of what we're doing today. We're continuing in the book of John. Today we're picking up with John chapter 6. Um, and this is, uh, we're going to do two weeks of this. And this is, uh, I'm excited about this this portion. Yeah. This is one of my favorite stories. Now, typically I cover this story out of, out of Matthew. Uh, well, I'm glad you finally decided to take my version of it. Well, I really appreciate yeah. it. I mean, I've worked hard on this, on this story. Well, there's just a lot you omit. And so that's why I tend to go with Matthew. <laughs> Not as much as you think. No, but but uh, honestly, if you guys get a chance, and you can do this with all the Gospels, right? Go in there, and, and as we go through some of these stories, it's interesting to go and, and read them mm-hmm. in other, um, in other uh, uh, Gospels. So anyway, we'll get right into it. Uh, I'm excited about this yeah. one, for real, yeah. though. It's going to be good. All right, here we go. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. 
Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon, a gale swept down upon them and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, Don't be afraid, I am here. Then they were eager to let him in the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. All right. This is an interesting one to me when I think about the different parts that are omitted, right? We In this particular one, um, the uh, the walking on water part with Peter, we don't hear about, and we see him walking on water, but we don't hear about Peter's part of that. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's interesting. So Anyway, what uh, what what stuck out to you guys? What's the what's your takeaway on this one? You can go first, Wayne. Well, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna get a gold star on the wall by my name for this. Uh oh. But this stuck out to me, and it really did. Uh, one of our values is rest, right? Mm. And uh, so when he gets ready to feed the people who are in need, he commands that they sit down. Mm-hmm. When you're in need, you go to a position of rest and you wait on God. Mm, that's good. So I never read, read it that way before, but I've never had rest be such a part of my value system until it came to Redux. And yeah. so something jumped out at me that never has jumped out at me before. Man, I love that. That's of good. course, you know, that's yeah. my thing. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny, what about you, man? Well, this is one of those... Um, stories that is one that uh, I've studied a lot. Um, It is next to um, the death and resurrection of Christ. It is the only Jesus event that is in all four gospels. Mm. Um, And yes, John doesn't include Peter walking on the water in this, but what's, what I think is interesting is what what is behind the scenes here? The fact that they, um, as you were reading, um, I think we're using the New Living. Yes, that's right. Um, so it's interesting that it's, it talks about that they came to a desolate place. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you notice the reaction of the uh, disciples when they come to Jesus and they say, hey, it's getting late, send these people away. Because in their context, a desolate place is not someplace you hang out. Um, that's where robbers, um, criminals are at. Um, and it's definitely not a place that you would, would go and relax in. And so yet Jesus tells them to sit down. And so from this point forward, um, what really is happening is it, this is a retelling of the manna story when they were in a desolate place as, as the Jewish people, um, and they were hungry and there was no way that they could provide food for themselves yet. God provided food for them. And so that's, that's what is happening here. 
is that it seems to be in the desolate places of our life is where we find the provision of Jesus, Mm -hmm. not always in the secure places. Yeah, that's good. I think what sticks out to me, uh, and, and I'm not saying that it's like the central message for me, it's just something I hadn't really processed before is he says to Philip, um, you know, where can we buy bread? And it says he was testing Philip. And I've struggled with that in my life. And I don't know about our listeners, but um, it's kind of like we have people who are part of what, uh, you know, consume our content here that don't like the word obey, for example. Mm-hmm. There's some words that have these negative connotations mm-hmm. um, for, for uh, countless reasons. For me, testing, God testing us has been one of those things. I'm like, well, why is he testing me, man? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what do you guys, what would you say to me? Who's <laughs> sitting there going, well, why did Jesus test him? And it, is that just a translation thing or, or do you think, no, you're straight up testing him. What's wrong with you? Well, I, <laughs> I, I don't know what the strong words would tell us about that. Maybe Johnny can, but to me, God, God never tests for his benefit. He always mm. is testing for our benefit. Uh, Philip needed to know something about himself. See, that's good. Anybody out there like me right now, just like, oh, it's for me. Okay, Johnny. Yeah, because the testing that he's that um, he is doing here is not a testing like we would associate with it. Of I'm presenting to you a question. Um, what he's what he's doing, which is what he does to all of us, yeah. is I'm testing to see what is in you. Do you? Do you really understand? Um, so much of our Christianity um, is is about what we know, mm-hmm. but not necessarily what we understand. And the only way we understand it is through those times of of testing or trial, and where we see what's in us. And um, so that's what what I know that he's doing here with with Philip is. Yeah. I want to see if you know where, where everything really does come from. Yeah. So what's interesting to me, you know, so far as we brought up. You talked about um, the the desolate place, and this is a retelling of the God supplying manna for the mm-hmm. Egyptian or the Egyptians, the Israelites, as they fled Egypt. And then Wayne, you talked about rest. And so, what I hear in that, and I see just even you know as we're just talking about this for the first time, what I hear in that is setting a real scene. So they come to this place. He says, everybody just take a second and rest because we're about to observe something absolutely amazing. He turns to Philip, mm-hmm. you know, deals with the testing thing I just brought up. He turns to Philip and says, hey, what, what, it's basically what's your expectation, right? That's what he's kind of laying out. He's like, hey, where can we get food for these people? And he wants to, he's looking at it going, Philip, I mean, are you going to try to solve this problem in the natural? Are you going to try to solve it in the supernatural, right? And uh, I mean, that's what I'm kind of hearing in that. And then he says, all right, so what do we have to work with? And he begins to do this miracle, and he does it when everyone's at rest. It doesn't indicate in any way that the people there were concerned about what they were about to eat or Mm -hmm. if they were going to eat at all, right? There was no concern, probably the biggest amount of concern based on other passages, other gospels, was the the disciples. They were the ones that were like, what are we going to do, right? In this particular reading, it says Jesus said, hey, where are we going to get these get food? But and I think it's in Matthew where they say, hey, what are we going to do? All these people are going to starve. We can't go get food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, man, that's pretty, that's pretty significant. And what is it that you feel like is the most missed thing about this story? I mean, this is, 
you know, Johnny, as you said, this is in all the gospels, it's talked about in passing all the time. Well, he fed the 5,000, right? We, we hear this and we hear he, he fed the 5,000. He walked on water. What, what is the missing piece that you guys think we are neglecting? To me, going off right what you just said, the, the people, the crowd, they sat down and they were perfect sheep. Go sit, wait. Okay, we go sit and wait. Sheep do what they're told to do. But Philip, the disciples were acting as shepherds. They felt that responsibility for sheep. And they're a picture of the modern day pastor mm. who struggles with what am I going to do? How am I going to take care of these folks? And we look to our natural resources. We look to our natural talents. Uh, we look to what's in the offering plate. We look at how many people showed up. We look at what kind of building we have. And, and we're not looking to God first before we interpret the circumstance. We interpret the circumstance and then we panic with God. Wow. Wow, that's good. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that what is missed, that we haven't gone there, there yet um i think what's missed is that they gathered stuff up at the end that's Mm -hmm. always my favorite part of the story that god is always every time i read it that seems to be what i draw what draws my attention is that um, they started off questioning where their where their provision was going to come from Mm -hmm. and then there's enough left that they gathered six basketfuls right and then just the way my brain works I want to know what happened to the baskets. Mm. Where did they go? Why did you, why did he have, were they on trash duty? <laughs> I mean, um, but why did they go and pick up the pieces that were left? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as we get into the rest of this story, I think you can see why those were so valuable. Um, but, when they get to the, the issue with the storm at the water, mm-hmm. I think when Jesus turns to them and says, you have, where's your faith? I think he might've been pointing at those baskets. Mm. You have the residue of the miracle you just saw. Why are you doubting me? This is a thing that I think I see and observe all the time in church. I, I said this to my wife just the other day. Um, I, I sleep with my, my watch and it tracks my heart rate at, in the middle of the night. And I said, told her the other night, I, I, or I didn't tell her the other night. I was talking to her about this though the, yesterday. And I said, for the last several nights, I've been very unhappy with my heart rate. It's been totally normal. It falls within the range of a normal, you know, male my age, but it's been about 10 to 15 beats higher than it had been historically. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, no, I don't like that. And so I started off by telling her, I said, God is amazing. And it's the little things. But I had been bothered by it, and I'm prone to be a worrier. I'm the first to admit that. Um, And so I just prayed a couple nights ago. I said, Lord, help me have a great night's sleep and just really let me rest. You know, to me, that's an indicator. My heart rate being elevated during sleep is an Mm -hmm. indicator. And, uh, and man, I got up that next morning, I looked at my stats and it was right exactly where it had been 
previously for a while, you know, and um, I had lowered, uh, it was like 62 or something, which I'm like, yeah, that's where I want it to be, right? And so the next day, same prayer, same result. And, and so I'm telling Lori this on the third day. I was like, man, this is just, a God is a really just an amazing God. And and I think about through all of this, you, you brought up that the, he points to the baskets, you know, and we don't see that. We don't but see it's, that. I'm but just saying, yeah, I, it's can see, I can right, see that. Sure. But I think that's the, that's the thing that blows my mind. I just lay out this testimony of how God absolutely address. I can't control that, right? No doctors giving me meds, no nothing. I can't do anything except beseech the Lord for that adjustment in my life. Now I can start exercising more vigorously and that will fundamentally do something to increase my cardiovascular health. But that doesn't happen in one day. And right. so I looked at that and and then as I'm, you know, seeing this the disciples have been with Jesus to this point. This isn't the first miracle they've seen, mm-hmm. right? By any stretch. And so he just does this back to back. He walks across a stormy uh, lake or sea mm-hmm. and gets in a boat mm-hmm. and they're still doubting. Yeah. I think what I find so amazing about this is it, there's two takeaways for me. Christians today do the same thing. Okay. We, we see like my, what I just laid out is they may, we may cast that off as some coincidence or something. Right. Mm-hmm. But even in the day when people are walking with Jesus and physically seeing things like this come to pass, they still don't have the faith for the next thing. Yeah. And I, I just find this amazing. And as you say, you know, next week we're going to get into Jesus's message where I feel like he brings this all he does. to it. Oh, he, he does. He just completes it all. Um, sure he does. But even after that message, there's still a level of disbelief. Now I think you see the disciples take a huge leap after that moment, but, but ultimately this is a lesson that I just really wish that all of us would really grab a hold of. And, 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 uh, it's really a pillar of faith, right? It's this foundational thing, this, this testimony, this witness that we see. And I think even Jesus is perplexed. (laughs) I think he looks around. He's like, what, what are we missing here, boys? You know, like, I mean, we've been doing this over and over and over again. But John the Baptist had similar conversations with his disciples about Jesus. You know, they started getting upset about Jesus performing miracles and baptizing more people than him. And he's like, this is what we were wanting. What's wrong with you? And so to me, I think this speaks to a deeper human issue, this, this default challenge of unbelief. And I think we can trace this all the way back to Genesis in the garden. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you, you had all your sustenance, all your provision, and yet mankind was still enticed and deceived, believe, basically because they just didn't believe. Yeah. All right, well, that's my commentary. You guys want to add no, to it? I, no, that's pretty cool. I think that it's, again, the value of reading it from the different vantage points that we have in the Gospels which is why you have the Gospels. It's just different vantage points. Um, and the fact that this story is in all four of them always makes me pay special attention mm-hmm. because this is one they all thought was major. And in one of the Gospels, it, uh, it says that when he performed this, there were some who believed that he was the Messiah. Right. Because they knew what the, they, they recognized 
that the Messiah, one of his tales would be that he comes in the, the anointing of Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so the miracle of the manna, that was part of Jewish custom at this point. So those who had the understanding, whose eyes were open and saw and recognized, wow, this is the same thing. This has to be the Messiah. So here were these people that had followed him and it was a very small portion that were there for this event that experienced it and believed. And those that were closest to Jesus missed it. And then Jesus has to go to the water scene and even on beyond that Mm -hmm. before those that are closest to him will get it. And again, going back to those baskets, those were remnants of the miracle that they experienced. Mm -hmm. And when they got into a stressful situation, they forgot the remnants of the miracle they'd experienced. And I just often look at that and ask myself, you know, what am I not seeing Lord in this? What, why am I doubting you? Where, why do I not believe that you're going to, take care of me here and, um, begin to look through my basket, if you will. And, and then you find, man, God has always been with me. He's never not taken care of me. Right. You know? And, uh, cause all of us are the one we're all going through times where our boat is getting rocked on the sea of life. And we've all been there where we've cried out to God, God, calm, calm the thing down. Mm-hmm. And what if, what if, the whole time Jesus was looking for someone to recognize who was there with them. And what if he was looking for one of them to stand up and calm the storm? Yeah. Yeah. And what if he wants you and I to calm the storms he's given us, he's done everything for us. <laughs> what if he looks at you and goes, you calm it just like he looked at the disciples and said, you, you, you supply, it. you know, it kind of sheds new light on Peter saying, Lord, if it's you bid me come, you know, in the other um, account of this, because the first, when you said, what if he was looking for someone the first thing I thought about is where's Peter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's totally a Peter move. He hears this conversation with Philip and he's like, Oh no, no Philip, are you crazy? Watch this. And, right. And, but I think Peter would have fallen flat on his face. Had that happened. <laughs> Probably. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, he didn't do it, but, but, and maybe not. I mean, it, because Peter did manage to walk on water for a moment, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, I don't know. That's just a really, that's strong. I think that's something for, for our listeners to meditate on and to process a little bit more because, you know, for me personally, guys, like in the last couple of years, my approach towards my relationship with God is one of, full discovery and mm-hmm. and un, like truly diving in not not study right not not diving in and going you know what does this passage mean or but but diving into presence with him and saying lord i want to know your character more and more which includes reading scripture but but it's bigger than that right and and so it's it's trying to have those moments with god those walks those talks with him um and, and what's funny is I'm not doing it so that I can gain the power, if you will. I think so many people, um, they, you know, especially in the wake of like the prosperity message that we've heard for mm-hmm. so many years is like, I'm going to do this for this reason. I'm going to do this to get this mm-hmm. or to get that. And I think, you know, for me, I've just been embracing God because I love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I don't. Uh, it's not about what I get from him. It's, it's that I am truly, I guess the get is the love. It's the cyclical love that comes from being in his presence. And, 
And it's funny because I just, all of that is just wrapped up in this moment, this effort you see Jesus and, and, you know, even the reality that he's showing the same provision that God showed the Israelites um, in the mm-hmm. desert, 40 years, 40 nights, 40, years, 40, 40 days. Nights. That's, that would have been a weird That's deal. That's a lot right? of daylight. 40 for 40, yeah. for 40 they years. They must have been in Alaska. <laughs> Only one night a year. That's, that's no, but for 40 years, the, they wandered the yeah. wilderness and he provided for them every day, every day. And it didn't take him, but if, I don't know how long, but it didn't take him long for them to totally take that for granted and gripe about it and get quail come come their way right and this is again something very similar you've got jesus going okay i'm going to provide it's not a big deal he didn't there's no record or or account of jesus going what are we going to do about this thing tomorrow like he never bit his nails you know what i'm saying and it's because i've been around people who are calm and and especially leaders who just know we're going to get this thing done it's interesting to me because that does bring a level of confidence but it really speaks to the amount of trust they have in that leader. And, and to your point, there were people that believed he was Messiah. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. And we've talked about this in other uh, episodes, but how difficult was that? I mean, people were struggling with that. It's no different than today in as much as we're looking for the second coming of Christ. So many people, so many Christians are looking for this and, and they're, they're going, well, maybe it's this and maybe it's that. And this little account, you know, they're all looking for these signs and that's what they're doing with Jesus, except they were they were looking, you know, in that day, everyone's like, is this a Messiah? I think yeah. it's a Messiah. He's doing this. Yeah, but what about this? And it's all these preconceived notions. And I think that in and of itself is a struggle um, because, you know, we're taught that if we, if we get that wrong, we're gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? So imagine being a Jew going, well, if he's not the Messiah and I believe in him, then I've just now believed in some demon and, you know, I'm doomed. Mm-hmm. That's a weird thing to... to process but anyway i think it's 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 an amazing reality and this is the whole point of why we go through the life of jesus right we go through this because it is the body of work it is what we see for his whole life that really accounts to who he is and and what he's done for us so anyway any closing thoughts from you guys on this we've got about three minutes left and then we'll i want to catch a nugget real fast there's an issue of stewardship here Mm. In uh, a Tommy Barnett says the miracles in the house. Mm-hmm. So in in that grouping, we got this small number of fish and loaves, and and that's where our miracle is going to come from. But going back to where we were earlier, uh, we gather up these baskets and we have this left over. And in the King James, it says that none may be wasted. Mm. And stewardship is just as important when you have blessing as when you have lack. Yep. Absolutely. The same principle. Maybe apply. more so. And maybe more so, yes. Yeah. So now that's really good. So how would you take that and apply it today? Well, I mean we we live in well, <laughs> with gas prices where they are, we might not think we live in a prosperous <laughs> time. But but we 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 live in a in a in a very prosperous time compared to what they were living here and, and what, you know, many of our ancestors have, have lived even in this nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we, we need to, to steward that. The other thing is, is it doesn't matter if you're a church of, of a thousand or a church of a hundred. You, you steward things that, that God puts in your hand with the same way regardless of, of your numbers. Right. Uh, that, that, that principle never goes away because we don't have to pay attention. 
anymore. I, totally. Man, and I, man, that is such an underrated reality. I hate that we're kicking on this with no time left, but, but this idea of stewardship, I literally had this conversation today with my wife um, about stewardship, and, and, and it really was that. It's like, man, if someone's given $4 million, it doesn't mean all of a sudden you should go buy something. that The value of things don't change because of how much you have. That's really what it comes down to. Um, you know, I, I could put together a, a podcasting studio that cost four times as much as the one we put together, but it doesn't mean I should. Right. If I had unlimited funds, it doesn't mean I would. Right. Because value is, is, a, is a difference there. And that's really, to me, a huge, maybe the central part of stewardship is, you know, you're not just getting something. You're, you're making sure there's value in what you're doing. Yeah. And I think it's important to, to also jump off that idea and don't, don't skip over the statement that the decide that the disciple in this case, it's Philip mm-hmm. um, in other versions. It's just, it doesn't name who, who made the comment, but they did say it would take a day and a half worth of wages. Right. So they knew the cost and probably had the ability to provide that lunch for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the resource that was needed had nothing to do with what was in their hands yeah. and what was in their account. And we may be prosperous as a country, but spiritually in our understanding of where our true provision is, we are poor. Mm-hmm. And when I look at um, the, the previous generations that seem to just have this strength in them of belief in God, it's because they watched him provide for them when they had nothing. Mm-hmm. And here our generation is, we've never had lack and now we're panicking yeah. when, you know what? Okay. Gas prices are stupid high, but it doesn't change who really yes. is our supply. Yeah. And that's, right. that's, that's what I think we've got to get back to. That's good. We want to thank you guys for joining us today. Um, Wayne, real quick, could you pray us out? Father, we just thank you today for who you are and what you do. And we just thank you that whatever we have ahead of us, whatever need shows up, that you are the ultimate source. You are able to provide to meet every need to make everything last. We just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And uh, if you guys like to find out more about what we do here at Redux Church, go to redux.church on the interwebs, and you can find out all sorts of stuff. Also, check our events. We have some in-real-life events coming up, some worship and prayer nights. Um, No matter when you're listening to this, we probably have one coming up, so that works out good. Um, Anyway, if you'd like to support what we're doing, and more importantly, if you feel led by God to do that financially, you can go to redux.church and click to give there. Um, Whether you feel led by God or not, I'm going to ask you to pray for us, because that's my request. (laughs) And then share this content. If it helps you, it's bound to help someone else. Anyway, thanks again. God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.